Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. I'm going to attempt to cram a number of topics into this one segment. So bear with me. We're going to move pretty quickly. I'm going to start with coins. uh, And it was essentially... A question I asked earlier today in the program, do you still use coins? Is it something that is part of your normal routine? Are you affecting transactions with coins? And many of you were very generous uh, with your time and sent me text messages weighing in. Uh, here's, a, here's a really uh, interesting question uh, which is asked. or It says, how do younger kids under the age of 15 pay for things? Kids cannot legally have, quote unquote, plastic. I don't know about the legality of credit cards and children, but uh, I I do know that uh, when I was young, certainly when my parents had uh, their credits and their debit cards, uh, I was still paying uh, with cash for things. So children, transactions uh, affected by children. That is a very good point. Not sure how we address that one. Uh, Next up, this one says Maverick gas stations have signs that say exact change, debit or credit only because of the coin shortage. Uh, and a uh, texter here, DJ, says, I hate to use a card for a 74-cent drink. I always get self-conscious, too, uh, when, it's, when it's something it's a candy bar or something uh, relatively small, and I'm paying with a, a credit or a debit card. I always get a little self-conscious. Uh, anyway, uh, I do it nonetheless, obviously, because who's got cash? Uh, another one here, uh, problem isn't going to be with customers using coins. It's going to be with businesses getting coins that they can give back to customers as change when they pay with cash. All right, that's kind of a chicken or the egg type thing. Another individual here puts out that, uh, uh, yeah, gas stations are a big uh, recipient of uh, both folding money and change. Anyway, so we're going to leave it at that uh, in terms of the coin question. Again, all of this <clears throat> stems from some comments made in a congressional hearing by the chairman of the Federal Reserve where he indicated that there uh, was the need to put in place certain limitations on how much coinage was available to banks uh, in the midst of this coronavirus because of uh, you know our new spending habits, our new business practices, and also because of advice handed down by medical officials, uh, there is much less... <clears throat> or far fewer coinages, coins, quarters, and that um, in circulation. Just got a text message from a friend of mine who tells me that her 13 and 14-year-olds each have debit cards. So uh, that may uh, challenge that text I received earlier, that in fact uh, children under 15 are able to affect transactions with uh, cards. Uh, Anyway, I want to share with you while I have uh, some time here, I got a heads up a moment ago from producer Amy she tells me that uh, at any moment now, the president, alongside uh, the president of Mexico, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, will be signing a, a joint declaration. This joint declaration will look at a number of things, including uh, Mexican enforcement of irregular migration within the country, as well as uh, migrant protection protocols, uh, the Mexican government uh, will commit uh, to enhancing enhancing its protections uh, of its people 
uh, within its borders. Uh, there's some other actions being agreed to, uh, plus an ongoing regional strategy. The U.S. and Mexico will reiterate uh, a statement they made, uh, the two nations, some time ago that both countries recognize the strong links between promoting development and economic growth in southern Mexico and the success of promoting prosperity, good governance and security in Central America. Anyway, so that uh, is being signed right now. If you remember, it was the, the president of Mexico who flew uh, up here to the United States uh, commercial. That would be quite the thing to see a world leader uh, back in coach with you. It would be quite a thing. Uh, I have just a minute left before we take a break. And I want to uh, share with you something I'm going to put on Facebook as well. It is a letter. And it has been signed by uh, hundreds of renowned authors and writers and professors from around the country. And if you look at this list, you will uh, naturally say to yourself, oh, wait, those are, those are all very liberal folks. Uh, people coming from Yale and Princeton and uh, places like this, authors uh, like J.K. Rowling, these are, these are uh, liberal types. So, uh, uh, what are they? What are they? What is this letter that they have? Uh, well, they've written a letter under the headline "A Letter on Justice and Open Debate," and I could not agree with it more. Let me read to you in part. It says, "The free exchange of information and ideas, the lifeblood of a liberal society, is daily becoming more constricted." While we have come to expect this on the radical right, now listen, I, I'm not in. I'm not into the political stuff they have to say here. But the point that they're making, I think, is one that is a, is a good one. They observe the spreading of a phenomenon across our culture, an intolerance of opposing views, a vogue of public shaming and ostracism, a tendency to dissolve complex policy issues in a blinding moral certainty. The letter continues, we uphold the value of robust and even caustic counter speech from all quarters. But it is now all too common to hear calls for swift and severe retribution in response to perceived transgressions of speech and thought. More troubling still, institutional leaders in a spirit of panic damage control are delivering hasty and disproportionate punishments instead of considered reforms. They even list some examples. Editors are fired for running controversial pieces. Books are withdrawn for alleged inauthenticity. Journalists are barred from writing on certain topics. And professors are investigated for quoting works of literature in class. It goes on. A researcher is fired for circulating a peer-reviewed academic study. And the heads of organizations are ousted for what are somewhat just clumsy mistakes. It goes on to reiterate this point over and over, but essentially it is calling out this idea of the cancel culture. That if you, if you offend someone, that you must be canceled. And it is heartwarming to see this attitude being expressed by those on the left. I hope that what they are calling for is granted. And I hope that we see more of it in our society.